0: How you use them. T minus three, two, one, zero, and liftoff. Welcome here again, BizDoc Podcast. We've got a bunch of things this week. Three things I found really, really interesting on stats. And then we're going to dive into all these headlines on Tesla and energy. Mercedes says these cars are really beautiful, and they are beautiful. BMW announces they have some beautiful cars, so EVs are looking more beautiful, bigger. Prices are going up, but it's gorgeous. It's a whole sector, and they're all picking on Tesla, but there is a catch I'm gonna take you to where Elon Musk is gonna have the last laugh, selling the razor blades while everybody else makes the razors. First, we drop into stats, and we're here with Kellyanne, the Swiss Army Knife. Hello, Kellyanne. Hopefully you had a good weekend.
1: It was the best weekend.
0: Things going good? There's a couple things I think's going to matter to you, your cousins, people, your generation, in advance of buying houses. We'll get to that in a second. So the stats this week is looking like this. We have an Airbnb crackdown in New York. I'm going to tell you all about what that means. And then we've got Mexico imports passing China. Yes, and I don't mean just two ships passing in the water. I mean Mexico passing China. I've got the stats and a huge graph. I want you to take a look. Then apartments. There's a construction frenzy going on in the United States. That's right. New, good apartments with features happening everywhere, and it's actually a good thing for people that are looking for affordable housing. And I'm here today also with my watermelon vault. That's my favorite flavor. So look around, get yourself the vaults, Try the watermelon. I like it. It's mine although, too. Although, in my house, um, it's a split. It's a split ticket.
1: Oh, what's the other one?
0: Uh, the other one is uh, I got uh, two of the household really like the coconut, Ooh. and then one of the household likes the black cherry, and everybody, including me, puts the cucumber lime, the no, cucumber mint. Yes. In second place.
1: Yes, me too. I'm not in the same boat.
0: Uh, Isn't that interesting? No matter what you have first place, second place, anyway. It's
1: always cucumber-like. Try the
0: vault. Good for your brain, good for you. Get you rolling. So let's start. Let's go to the first chart. So the first chart has to do with what just happened in New York. So all over the United States, people have been Airbnb-ing. And when they say by that, what are you doing? Well, you know, I got an Airbnb. And what they mean by that is they have found a small house or an apartment or a townhouse. That they're able to lease long-term or buy and then turn it into an Airbnb listing to create a side hustle, a little bit of money on the side. Well, New York was getting upset because believe it or not, as tourism came back and as you know, short-term business travel, someone going to New York to go have a meeting with somebody, single person, get an Airbnb. Sometimes it was cheaper than getting a Hilton or a Marriott. And if you've seen what the low-end, like the entry-level hotels, like a Marriott Courtyard or Hilton Garden, cost in New York. It's very expensive. So you could get for half that an Airbnb, and people were doing it. So guess what? That's demand. Supply was people going, hey, you know, I'll Airbnb my apartment a little bit, especially during maybe peak times, a conference in town. Well, this has put two problems on the table. One, not all Airbnb rentals are friendly business people um, staying overnight doing something quick or a casual thing, going to see a ball game with friends, sometimes they're partiers. And it results in neighbors being upset because it gets rented out, it's loud, it's late, and they don't like it. But also New York is claiming, you're destroying the supply of affordable housing. Well, I didn't know you could use New York and affordable housing in the same (laughs) sentence. But nonetheless, they're complaining about it. So look at this chart. After they put the law up in New York that said you cannot Airbnb your apartment. Thou shall not, or we'll find you. And we'll go after your landlord, and maybe you'll lose your lease. So there are some real teeth in this. They saw it coming. But look what happened overnight to an organization that tracks the New York City Airbnb listings. Look at this. Short-term listings, which is the red line. Wham! Down 70%. In other words, unless you're in a place where you could do it, or you're maybe in an outer borough or in a neighborhood down in Long Island, apparently, the crackdown was effective, and 70% of the short-term Airbnbs disappeared from the listings. But the long-terms went up, so maybe people are playing a little game with it. Long-term listing, one month, 50 bucks a month. I mean, 50 bucks a day, long-term, so... Do you see what just happened there? Like I say, okay, you can Airbnb for a month, but it's $20 a night, that's 600 bucks. But I know you only want two nights. So let's find out whether some of these long-terms are actually people gaming the system. You could Google the following thing, key money. Key money is something that was going on in New York a long time ago and it still exists today when they had the time of rent control. And back in the late 70s, I know we're talking 50 years ago, there was rent control and other things started to happen in New York City to facilitate affordable housing. Well, if you couldn't charge the rent, then sometimes it was key money. And I need 1000 bucks up front for the key. Oh, so that's another 100 bucks for the year. Isn't that interesting? But I'm only paying $800 a month, not $900, because $800 was the rent control number. So those are the kind of games that were played. But it's very, very interesting what has gone on that the side hustles in New York are Airbnb. So on one hand... The city is also playing a little bit of game with what's called zoning regs. Here's what a zoning reg is. Zoning reg is you cannot put an auto body shop in this area of neighborhood because it's not zoned for commercial business. People don't want to smell the paint, have the cars out there coming and going and stuff. This is a quiet residential area where there will be no industrial activity. So that's zoned. Sometimes you hear it called R1 for residential one versus being residential two or being zoned for commercial. And what they're saying is if someone basically owns a house on Staten Island and they're operating it as a full-time hotel because now they've retired and they're in the Poconos or something, or they've retired to Florida and they're renting this old Staten Island house, three bedroom, two bath, constantly, they are now effectively operating a rental property that's commercial and this was not zoned for commercial So you see the game that New York's putting together? Not really a game, but this is the logic's going with it. On one hand, it says they're trying to put more affordable housing out there. On the other hand, they're trying to avoid the parties that happen when you've got situations people were partying all this time and it was bad for the residents and bad for the neighborhood. And then on the other hand, people are saying, wait, it's neither of those. I own that house. I should be able to do whatever I want with the house. It's not illegal to rent my house out to tenants. It's, uh, you know, my, um, I, I, I was a tenant, not an Airbnb, but I got through college, you know, bumming a room. I paid for it, paid for a couple hundred bucks a month, but I basically Airbnb'd a room on a long-term basis with some relatives when I was going to college in Los Angeles because I wasn't able to afford a full apartment. I didn't need all that. I just needed something where I could borrow the washer and dryer that was in the garage and have a place to have a room, and that's what I did. And I had to park on the curb out front, you know, back when I didn't have a car that I needed to protect in a garage. So I think there's there's something going on here that I think um, it's, it's going to hit the fan a little bit. I think there's going to be some suits against the city. But as of right now, that's what's going on for Airbnb. So if you're if you operate an Airbnb in other big cities where there's rent issues, especially if it's a blue mare, And if you go look at New York, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, you may see that. And, and so this is kind of some of you for entrepreneurship, you have your own business. Some of you do these side hustles and you make comments in there that, hey, I, I don't own a business, but I do these side hustles. Here's one where your eyes need to be open and you be, need to be looking at the at the future. It's do crazy. The, um, it's for cr- you, live? what are you? You're about to say something. I'm interrupting you because I'm all vaulted up.
1: I love it. I love is that what it. we're going to
0: call it? We're going to call it vaulted up. I'm jacked <laughs> up. I'm vaulted up. I've opened the vault.
1: So it's crazy that you own something, and yet you have no control over how you use it and how you monetize it. That's insane to me.
0: Yeah, that's what I'm getting at. I mean, they could play the game on, oh, it's you're operating a business, and it's not zoned for that. Good grief. My mom has made quilts forever. I mean, there's a lot of people that have small businesses. They operate out of their house, and it's basically there is absolutely zero impact on the neighbors. But I can understand, you know, if parties break out, do you do you know people that are like airbnb apartments? Because I've, I've heard of young people that can't afford to buy a house but they're able to kind of get two apartments in Airbnb one especially like in Fort Lauderdale during season and spring break.
1: I have so many friends down here that actually have a side hustle with an air, one or two Airbnbs and I actually met a guy at the vault who that's his whole business is Airbnb so uh, it would be crazy to me if that was your side hustle or like something where you get most of your income from and there's limitations to to that and that, that the government could be able to control that for you.
0: Crazy, crazy. Well, you know, when supply comes off the market, you know what happens? Price goes up. It's just a a fact of life. Um, So let's go to the apartments. It's the third chart. Very interesting. So the US, take a look at that dark blue line over on this far edge. 461,000 apartments being built by the end of 2023. Wow. So what has happened is, you know, during the last three, four years, I think the construction industry saw it coming. A lot of people immigrating to the United States, a giant shift of, um, of uh, during COVID. There is huge shifts. I mean, you heard the stories about um, uh, where Pat and I came from going back a decade ago, California. U-Haul was actually paying college students to drive U-Hauls from Texas back to California. Because they would have all these trucks show up here. So I think it was Penske, U-Haul, all of the big, you know, economical, midsize moving truck guys, self-move, you know. They were, get all these trucks in Texas, and they had more than enough trucks just to go from one side of the town to the other for normal moving within a town. What they needed, those trucks, is back in California so you could actually get a side hustle to drive a moving truck back to California from Texas. Wow. Well now, so you've got all of that is, is, is showing you the unequal movement of humanity. And there's a lot that we're moving to Texas, a lot moved to Arizona, a lot moved to Florida. And now you've got 416,000 apartment being built and just go back, look, 2018, boom, boom, boom. So it's been growing since 2010. Look at that valley down there at 2010. And all of a sudden, blah, 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 comes up, and now two of the last three years are two of the biggest years on record. Number one, I think this is good. We need affordable housing in this country, and we need it to be, maybe this is rebuilds. Who knows what it is, but it's 461 new apartments. And a lot of times, apartments now are more like townhouses. They've got uh, gyms and things in there. It's not like apartments where if I'd been able to afford one back when I went to college, it looks like that some places do but more the new stuff i mean i see notices for this and i get curious about it you know my daughter's going to school next year and so i've looked in that city at the various student housing you know what's walking distance safe areas and what i've noticed is a lot of um apartment complexes that have that are full security gate little pool in the middle got a real workout place much different uh, a little bit more upscale but still affordable housing so we need this. And uh, we, we haven't seen a lot of it in South Florida. Some of it, I'm, I, I think there's room for some. Mm-hmm. What do you see? What do you see in um, rent prices, you and your friends and people that you know? And by the way, remind your friends that are airbnb that they probably caused $50 a month increase for everybody else because they're taking supply off the market.
1: Yeah. But I
0: digress.
1: (laughs) Airbnb is for sure something that a lot of my friends are doing. Um, And uh, apartments, it's just getting more and more expensive. For a single person, it is very hard to be able to afford a place in a nice area by yourself in Florida. But a lot of my friends that are couples, it's much easier for them to split the rent in half for a one-bedroom place. Uh, My brother and his girlfriend, though, have a two-bedroom place, and they're both basically paying the same as they would pay for a single unit. Um, So the prices are insane.
0: Yep. Well, we need more affordable housing. I think this is kind of good news. Now, the third one, speaking of affordable, we import a lot of stuff in America. I think it's made elsewhere to make it affordable, right? That's it. I mean, made in China used to be meaning cheap when I grew up. Now made in China usually means affordable. And you take a look at the stuff, perfectly reasonable quality, things like this. Um, Check out this chart. China has just passed Mexico. 20 years later, China's back. Look at 2003. China went past Mexico and, as they say in racing, blew their doors off And you take a look at what was there, but look, the little engine that could, Mexico kept growing, 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 and now China has got economic issues going on. We've heard that China went from a one-child policy, where if you were pregnant with a second child, depending on where you are, uh, the government would um, forcefully um, make you terminate that pregnancy, um, forcing women to take, what is that pill, RU48, is what it was?
1: Do you want to start this section over? Because you said China surpassed Mexico, but it's Mex- Mexico surpassed China. Oh. You kept saying China surpassed Mexico.
0: Oh, they did in 2003.
1: Yeah, but you, you were saying, to, you said it today too.
0: Oh, okay. You want Back to start, it up. Start okay. this one over? Back it up. Okay. So from affordable housing to affordable stuff that you buy every day. You know, when I grew up, made in China meant, cheap low quality now made in china means hey it probably costs a lot less than something made in the united states especially with cost of labor so imports typically have been coming from china and lots of them and we hear about china and maybe they have too much control over the u.s and all these things well check this chart out because we have a trading partner that is right next door mexico and if you look in 2003 the green line is Mexico, the red line is China. China passed Mexico in 2003 to be the number one source of imports. They blew their doors off, as we would say in racing, and look how that red line ran for all those years. Now the red line's come down a little bit, and the green line Mexico is kind of a little engine that could, they kept chunking along and everything, and they went from you know 13, 14, 15, 16%, keep, kept it going, and with China's economic woes right now, and a lot of things that are happening, like you may have heard that they uh, now pay people to actually have another child, whereas they had this one-child policy that if you were had one child and you were pregnant with the second one, a lot of times they came in there and they wanted you to terminate that pregnancy. And I won't get into what all that was about, but it was pretty bad. You could have one child, and if you got pregnant again, you know, no, 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 you can't do that. Well, now they're actually paying you to get married, paying you to to have another child, because there's economic woes. And some of those woes are showing up in that red line coming down to the point that now Mexico is 16% of our total imports, and China is 13%. Together, that's 30%, or it's coming up on one third of total product imports. So what I think is really interesting about this is this isn't as much, I think, proactive US companies, but because we've heard, did you hear the Apple thing with India? They said no. they're going to go make iPhones in India. Really? Yep. And and Apple, I think, has less than 5% market share in India. It's Android City in India. <laughs> well, Apple would love to not only make iPhones in India, but sell those to all the Indian citizens so that they could use the iPhone addition to Android. Wow. So it would be a market opening and a way for <clears throat> Apple to balance its reliance on China because who knows what happens to China when they basically take Taiwan back, and they're going to do it. We just don't know when. Mm. We just don't know when they're going to do it, but they're going to do it. A lot of people say they're waiting to the election because they want to see if Biden is reelected, and at that moment, they're going after Taiwan. Uh, Some people think that if Trump is somehow reelected, China won't set foot in Taiwan because he knows that that Trump would come with economic sanctions and all kinds of heavy-duty stuff, maybe even you know, U.S. military to kind of draw a line there that said, uh-uh, don't, don't, don't cross this, don't get into Taiwan's front yard. So a lot of people think China's doing that. Needless to say, China's had a, a, a comeuppance recently, and you can see what's going on, but actually Mexico, next door neighbor, has become the largest source of imports. And I just thought that was really interesting, because if you ask somebody on the street, and you say, hey, China's not the number one source of imports anymore as of second quarter, they would go, what? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. somebody else's name it. They would go, I don't know. Um, is it Taiwan, the dollar value of all those semiconductors? No. Um, is it, oh, Korea, you know, got um, a lot of cars and a lot of things coming. Out. Oh, well, then it must be Japan. A lot of the made in Japan stuff and Toyota and, and you know, Lexus. Nope.
1: I wouldn't have thought it was Mexico. They, Everything you, says you made in Japan. You finally get there.
0: You probably never get there. You probably never get. No. Yeah, but the answer is Mexico. Crazy. So. There you go. And speaking of a global brand and a global situation, EVs is a definite global situation, electric vehicles. And I've got the breakdown on all these headlines around Tesla and energy. So we're going to do a fast case study on EVs, what happened in California and what happened on energy. It's all tied together. I'm going to go run over Studio B and find my board. All right, I found Studio B and my famous board. So this past week, there have been a bunch of headlines about Tesla and about, oh, Elon Musk is going to be taken over, you know, by all these manufacturers that are going to go after him with their own cars. There's some very beautiful cars coming on the market right now from BMW and Mercedes and others. But let's look behind the story, behind the story that is Tesla and find out what's really going on. Because I think some of those headlines are being driven by a lot of the media that likes to pick on Elon Musk. And of course, they've been upset about Twitter and X. So they pick on them. But let's look and see what's really going on. So what's behind the headlines this week? Well, the first thing that's going on is let's step back and look at market share of new vehicle sales. So put some numbers behind it. Because as BizTalk likes to say, words talk, numbers scream. So let's see what the numbers are screaming. Let's look at this little chart here. This is EV sales in the second quarter of this year. So that's April, May, June of 2023. And we're sitting here in September of 23 as we have all this data pulled together. This is how much did that change year over year. And then what is the share of EVs of total new cars? So let's just take the top one, China. They make all kinds of small, very economically priced EVs. They sold 1.2 million of them, which is up 20% year over year, and it's now 17% of their car market. Very interesting. Then you come to the United States. We're running at a clip of about 1.2 million cars per year, 285,000 in the second quarter, 48% up year over year, and 7% of new cars. I'm going to tell you why 5% is a big threshold, and the US being at 7% is significant. And then you go take a look down here, and there's California. You know, a lot of times people make that, not a joke, but they make a comment. They said, well, if California was its own uh, country, it would be the sixth largest economy in the world. Well, there you have it. One, two, three, four in EV sales, so 109,000 of those 285 Like 40% of them came from California, which is up 70% year over year. And EVs is now almost a quarter, 22%. So it's one-fifth heading to one-quarter of total cars sold. Right now, where they plug those in and get them charged, except overnight in their garage, is another question. But we'll get to that in a minute. So nonetheless, you can see what's going on here. And what I find is really interesting is things like Norway. Check that out. 82% 82% of new cars in Norway are EVs, and right next door, Sweden, 39%. So as you can see in those Nordic countries, they're already well down the EV, EV path. But you got to plug them in. So the first thing to look at here is how California, with all the things it's been saying, no diesel trucks by 2025, no new trucks sold will be diesels, gotta phase them out, blah, 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 blah. They're gonna put a big tax on diesel supposedly, 2026. All these things that are coming out and they're driving toward this. So first thing we look at EV sales. Okay, Tom, that's how they're doing around the world. What does this mean for Tesla? Thank you for asking. So now, The first thing we look at is what happens when EVs hit 5% of market share. It's like when you have friends where now 10%, 15% of your friends were using Instagram. Literally six months later, everyone was using it. That's called the seed and lag effect. The market gets seeded and when it hits a certain percent of everybody's doing it, then boom, everybody is doing it. So in this case, take a look here. This shows the number of years after 5% market share is hit for EVs. So, California is the blue line, the US is the red. So, one, two, three, four, almost five years, California is at 20, almost 25% of EVs. See that? And look how the US is following. The red line is following it. We've hit 5% as a nation. Actually, it's around seven. And so within four years from now, it's going to be one in four or one in five cars sold brand new in America are EVs. Ladies and gentlemen, we're there. Over the next president, when the next president walks out of office or is rolled out of office in a box, if it's Joe Biden at 88 years old and he finally kicks the bucket, you will have basically a nation where one out of four, one out of five cars is electric. OK. Well. That's great, so that means we're on the cusp of growth. What is going to drive that growth? A lot of manufacturers making cars. And let's take a look at this. Let's look at the EV market share in California. Now, there's going to be a lot going on in this chart. But Stay with me. Do you see this black line? This is Tesla's market share. And here we go, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, where we are today. Tesla despite headlines, despite people being upset with him, despite the mainstream media, just passed Toyota. Remember, the Teslas are more expensive. Toyota has a lot of smaller vehicles that are EVs and, 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 and hybrids before that. Tesla just dethroned Toyota in California. Look at this. Second quarter, just completed. Let's look at it right here. We can just see this end right here. Tesla, 14.6% of everything sold in California. Toyota, 142 And then Honda. As you can see, Honda's actually sloped down. So is uh, the red line here with this Nissan. So the two Japanese makers, they make a lot in the United States, have factories in the United States, they have slid. And so what else is growing besides, you know, there's been a little pop up here for, for Honda. But they're down from where they were. You see where it goes? And everybody else is floating along down here. And Mercedes and BMW making, much, making ones are very expensive. And they're living down here at 4%. But look at this. Everybody's sharing this. And Ford and Chevy you know, started out. They're the blue lines. Look, they started out here, particularly Ford. And now they've ticked down. But there's your answer as to how's Tesla really doing? The answer is they're doing just fine, and they introduced you know another model you know four years ago that was the um, which model was that that's the, uh, the SUV with the gullwing wing doors yep. Model Y I think it was anyway, they've passed, but that's not the story. they're selling the cars and they're actually number one in California, and everybody picking on Tesla, I bet there's a certain governor not very happy that in the midst of all this. Oh, he's going to be distracted running two companies. Yeah, well, he's not, Tesla's not distracted. He's at 14, 6% market share and rising. So let's go take a look at the charging network. Because all those cars that get sold, they got to get plugged in. And if you're going on a trip somewhere, that's when it's really tough to plug in, because you want to find what's called a fast charger. Anybody you know that has an EV wants to find a fast charger because in about 20 minutes, you can get about 70% charge. But it's got to be the fast high wattage charger, like the Tesla supercharger stations you see, with those really cool, looks like meant to look like a gas pump, but it's got this tension cord in there and you plug right in. So market power, what is happening with market power? Well, the first thing is everyone in the last six weeks There have been three major agreements with car makers around the world. And 70% of them have agreed to the Tesla plug standard. And I think it's called the 1772 plug. Never mind what it's called. It's going to be the outlet. Let Let me kind of help you with this. It would be like all cell phones agreeing to use the same chargers so you don't have to say, oh uh, yeah, do you have the old iPhone, the new iPhone, or do you have that little mini USB you use for Android? We do this all the time. Well, that's what's happening in cars. But now there's these major agreements have come, they're all gonna use the same plug. So, okay, so Tesla's... Now, why is that important? Here's why it's important. Tesla's supercharger footprint is expanding. They just made a deal with Hilton to install another 20,000 plugs at 2,000 hotels. This is big. I'll tell you why it's big. Because the manufacturers are making deals. Manufacturers need somewhere to plug these in. And I'm gonna tell you the headline you're gonna see in a minute. Tesla has 51% of the plug outlets in North America. 51 percent. So if you sell an electric vehicle and it doesn't work with an adapter or to plug in at Tesla, they can't recharge there. Guess what is just happening now, folks? They're all going to be on the Tesla charger standard, which means if you go to a Tesla supercharger, you could plug it in. If, if the people that made your car have a deal with Tesla, that you could use the plug. Whoa, wait a minute. Look what just happened. In May, Ford CEO Jim Farley announced Tesla charging deal. In June, Rivian, who's a newcomer that makes electric trucks, announced a deal. July, GM CEO Mary Barra announced a deal. And a year ago, she announced that Cadillac will be all electric within three years. July, Mercedes, Nissan, and Hyundai announced deals with Tesla. Why? Because they have to. Because if you're selling an EV, you've got to get it charged somewhere other than your home. And everyone will buy the small charger at home. Then Piper Sandler, which is a, ironically, an analyst. They said, we've done an analysis of this, and we think that Tesla is going to earn $3 billion in charging by 2030 just on the deals they did with Ford and GM. Well, if Tesla's making the $3 billion on that, who's not making it? Everybody else. They're just making cars. So guess what? Tesla is number one market share of cars in California, and Tesla is number one market share of places to plug your car in after you leave home. Isn't that amazing? So everybody likes to talk about Tesla. Let's look at this. This is from the US Department of Energy. You can get an app and you can go to a website to constantly see where you can plug in. These are fast chargers. These are the ones you need when you're traveling. Because when you're traveling, you're not going to sit there for two hours. Now, if you stop at a Hilton Garden Inn and you plug on overnight for a full charge, sure, that's great. Cars can still are around 300 miles right now. Well, 300 miles, if you're taking a long trip of 500 miles from San Francisco to Los Angeles, you know, it's about 350 miles. Want to go all the way to Sacramento? That's going to take a full charge in the middle somewhere. Where do you do it? Well, these fast chargers usually will give the rule of thumb is 70% in 20 to 25 minutes, but it has to be the fast charger. So, Tesla has 17,000 fast charger ports in the United States. According to the Department of Energy, there are 8,000 locations with 33,000 ports, which means Tesla has 51% of the fast charging ports. And one port is one extension cord sitting in a place for you to plug in. Isn't that interesting? So why did those car dealers, all those car manufacturers make the deal with Tesla? Because they had to. So there you go. And if you're buying a car like that, that's good for you, because you really don't care. You just want to go get electric gas when you need it. Now then, the empire strikes back. Bum, bum, bum. July 26, GM, BMW, Honda, Hyundai, Mercedes, Kia, and Stellantis announce, we're building our own Death Star charging network. We're going to put 30,000 plugs in urban and travel corridors. Urban means city, travel corridor, that's a highway going between cities. Then, but we're not, we're not going to uh, disclose exactly how many charging stations or how this joint venture is exactly going to work. And um, well, some of them will be ready next summer, but we don't know exactly how many. And um, no, 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 we don't have any estimates on how long it's going to take to build the network. So, ladies and gentlemen, this is real but this is also a defensive announcement to the stock markets to tell them that they don't intend to allow Tesla to own the majority of those charging stations. Ladies and gentlemen, the charging stations are going to be operated either by Tesla, who's been renting space. If you've ever drawn on major highways, you'll see a supercharger station. Maybe there are at um, Here in Florida, we have toll roads. Florida Turnpike runs from you know, uh, almost Miami to Orlando. And so you can go on there. And there's a couple uh, charging stations that are located with these big rest areas. There's like three restaurants, three service stations, and a Tesla superchargers off to one side, a whole bunch of them. And so these folks are saying, hey, we're not giving the world the Tesla. We got a joint venture to do it. Well, let me tell you, if it's a joint venture, then no one of you is going to earn the money on it. And you're making 30,000 plugs separated out and they're not talking about a key fact I'll bring up in a minute. Nonetheless, defensive announcement. You see what I mean? Now then, so now what's the story behind the story? <clears throat> Headlines love to pick on Musk and Tesla. Twitter X feelings is showing up in the coverage. That's why you don't hear this. If, if, if so let's put it this way. If Elon Musk was Joe Biden's son, the headlines will be talking about all the good stuff that they've, Tesla has done, the charging stations everywhere, and all these cars. No, 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 no. They're picking on him. They, they pick on him. And the feelings about Twitter and X come right through the mainstream media into coverage for Tesla, because we're talking dominance here. And easy to pick on him because the Cybertruck is late. It is. And the old models haven't been refreshed. Some of the style looks a little dated, a little bit, when you start comparing them to especially BMW and Mercedes with what they're bringing out. And you know, when autopilot you know, fails, that makes for great drama. When it runs a red light and causes an accident or something in the early stages of a full autopilot you know, or a full autonomous driving. So there's more than enough for them to pick on. But what's the truth? They're missing the point. Tesla passes everyone, now number one in California. They control 60% of the US EV market. They have the highest margin in the industry because they didn't have to rebuild factories. They don't have to retrofit. It's called retrofitting. You don't have to retrofit anything. And lastly, they have 40,000 chargers at hotels. That's 40,000 total. We already know they got 17,000 fast chargers and 20,000 coming from Hilton. So, they're going to be building 20,000 really fast to go with their 40, which will give them 60, before those car manufacturers make 30, which will then be they've got half and Tesla's got two thirds. So, there you go. Tesla controls 60% of the market. That is the story behind the story. The story is one of market dominance. But now, what's next? Something is very interesting. You know, a guy I know, Peter Madden, he would know the answer to this and he would remember this. Once upon a time, GM had 45% of the car market, right around 1970, 75. And Exxon wasn't called Exxon quite yet, but was the number two most valuable corporation in America gas stations, petroleum refinery. That's where Tesla is now. Tesla's got this huge chunk of the car market, and they have this huge chunk of the service station. It's both. It's like, it would be like going back to 1970 and GM at 45% share also owns Standard Oil of Ohio and what be- becomes this huge network of gas stations. Well, that didn't happen back then. The Trust Busters, originally dating back to Teddy Roosevelt, but they still had their, their grandchildren in the US Congress, wouldn't have let that happen. But nonetheless, that's where it is today. Second point, what's next? In under five years, EVs are going to be 25 maybe up to 33%. I think it's going faster than the trend line and will be about 33% of US sales. And manufacturers are not trying to be Tesla. They did a joint venture so that someone could, dear God, someone please build more charging stations. But they're competing on what they've always done. Price, product differentiation, features, new technology, all that. And for everybody picking on Tesla and full self-driving, Right, go take a look at CEO Jim Farley, you know, holding a coffee and driving on the highway, bragging about what's it called, Ford Blue or whatever it's called. It's their self-driving. Everybody's trying to do it. So even the people that are, that are whispering to the media, trying to undermine Tesla's story, they're building the same thing. But they're competing on product. And finally, this isn't a true threat. And punchline no one's talking about 7.5 billion dollars coming from the u.s government to help build those things in the jv so this is also your government actually doing something to help you and me if we have an ev by partnering with people to get more charging stations built and you don't want to just give the money to elon musk and give him 80 percent market share because actually i think that wouldn't be the right idea and finally The greater threat is coming from power companies because Tesla also makes a thing called the Powerwall. And they also make solar shingles that go on top of your house. It doesn't look like solar panels. It looks like a regular roof. And power companies are now messing with net metering. Here's what net metering is real quick. You put solar roof on. And during the day, you're at work. And you have your air conditioning turned to 80. And no one is at your house. You are going to be making more energy than just the basic electric appliances and your air conditioning in your house. More energy. Where does that go if you don't have a battery stored at home? Because you've seen these big battery walls that go in your garage? It goes back to the power company. It's called net metering. So in exchange for you sending power into the system, they pay you something for the power and they deduct it from your bill. You use $300, you created $100, so your bill is $200. And it's a way through net metering. Power companies right now do not like it because you own the solar, the sun is free, and you made that energy, and you are actually paying them less. So the the power companies are messing with the net metering costs. So for the solar, and the battery technology that Tesla's doing, I think Tesla faces a greater threat coming from power companies that don't want their revenue to be less next year than this year. And they don't want, they'll say, oh, we want all of the above, solar, wind, hydro, next generation, nuclear, everything. Wrong. They don't want anything that you would own, like solar roofs, pumping it back in, Ultimately, they want to build their own wind farms and their own clean energy things because the last thing they want to do is reduce their revenue because you got money from the government to put a solar roof on and you're paying half of your bill by net metering it right back to the power company. I think that's a greater threat for uh, Tesla on its power strategy. But at the end of the day, operating the supercharger stations, Tesla just gets energy right off the grid. So that's what's going on. The deeper story is Tesla's fine. And despite a distracted CEO that's trying to change, morph, and and take Twitter into the future as X, you you will find that the energy side, they are a market share leader, and they're crunching it out. And if it wasn't for the fact that mainstream media has got a little thing going on with Elon Musk, all of this would be headlines talking about how Microsoft is dominating software or Amazon is dominating this, but they don't talk about that because he's such a lightning rod for controversy. And that, my friends, is what is going on with all this controversy and all these headlines about Tesla and energy. They're making more deals with car makers because they have to work with Tesla and the subhead everybody wants to hide from. If you want more on this, uh, in the past, I did two case studies on Tesla. One of them, I called it out. I said, look right here, no longer just a car company. It was an energy company. And then I talked about the hype behind what they were doing. So there's two case studies there. We're going to put the links to them in the description, so you can go look at those, two. I think it's a fascinating story, especially if you go back and look at those two in order and then rewatch this one. It gives you a deeper look into what I think is one of the defining you know, leaders of our era, and that has driven America to electric cars, and deserves more than a little bit of credit for doing so because that's a cl- part of our clean energy future. That's it. Let me go back to main studio and we'll wrap it up for this week. Thanks for watching it. There you have it. I hope you enjoyed that. Whether you're operating a t-shirt company in Berlin or a tech company in California, I like to find the nuggets in other people's case studies and stories, other companies' case studies and stories. In this case, the people is basically Elon Musk so that you can apply it to your business. In the comments below, you'll find the link to the old Tesla case study that I mentioned, so you can really dive into that and see what that's all about. And until next time, I'm Tom Ellsworth, the BizDoc, and I hope I left you better than I found you. Businesses today are facing a rough world. The stock market is angry. Federal legislation is sending taxes down, threatening to wipe out value. It's just a very, very tough time. As an investor, where do you turn and what do you do? I think precious metals is a great alternative businesses today are facing a rough world. The stock market is in an angry mood, as is the economy. Banks are failing. Inflation is never-ending. And a looming recession threatens to wipe out stock value. That's bad for business, but even worse for retirement funds, especially if you're the one getting ready to retire. And to make things worse, the government is targeting those retirement funds, you know, your 401ks and your IRAs, with heavy new taxes to pay for things like social justice agendas and federal deficits. The good news is that there is a way to help protect your financial future, investing in precious metals. American Hartford Gold will ship physical gold and silver directly to your door or they can set you up with a gold IRA where you can invest in gold that shows up in your IRA. The gold IRA can shield your wealth from this economic meltdown, and the best part is this method is tax and penalty free. That's right. Analysts predict that gold is set to hit all-time highs. If you have retirement funds that you cannot afford to lose, now is the time to call a precious metal dealer And here is the only precious metal dealer that I, the BizDoc, currently trust, American Hartford Gold. They'll show you how to protect your savings and retirement accounts by diversifying your portfolio from stocks, mutual funds, and other things with physical gold and silver. With the finest products, fantastic customer service, and a buyback commitment, American Heart for Gold has earned a five-star rating from thousands of reviews and an A-plus from the Better Business Bureau. Tell them the BizDoc sent you and they'll give you up to $5,000 of free silver on your first order. Click the link in the description below or call 866-535-0767. Again, on your screen, 866 866- 5350767 or just text biz B I Z to 65532